1: what's up clipper nation welcome into the show everybody jesse cass here with you for another brand new episode of the believe in clippers podcast here exclusively on the believe podcast network thanks so much for tuning in once again and as we said i'm your host jesse cass really happy to have you here Some quick shopkeeping at the front of the show. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. We're also available wherever podcasts are found. Uh, Any directory that you need, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com. Over 200 shows on the platform, including several across the NBA landscape. So check that out. And at Believe Podcasts is the social media handle for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you need there. And be sure to follow along with me on Twitter, at jesse underscore cast so with all of that out of the way we are back with another brand new episode of believe in clippers with the clippers on the cusp of a a really big stretch in the schedule right now five huge games upcoming all with playoff seeding implications and big matchups in terms of the opponents really exciting time and especially if you're tuning in here the, the day this podcast goes up on a friday friday night tonight clippers and nuggets and essentially, at least right now, still obviously a lot of time, but a battle for the two-seed in what should be a really good and fun ballgame at Staples Center, Clippers Nuggets. going to break that down, talk about the Clippers' play since we've come back from the All-Star break, talk about the integration of the two new members of the Clippers, Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson, Paul George and his recent shooting slump. We've got a lot to discuss on this week's edition of Believe in Clippers, so we're not going to waste any time. Let's get right into it on this brand new episode of Believe in Clippers. And as we get into the show here on this new episode of Believe in Clippers, let's get you updated on where the Clippers are in standings, what they've been going through the past week or so since we last talked, and what they have lying ahead. Of course, we mentioned a big five-game stretch upcoming with the Clippers right now, 39-19, third seed in the West, just one game back of the Denver Nuggets, and as we alluded to, they have a huge game with the Nuggets coming up Friday night, tonight, the day this podcast goes up, so that'll be really big in terms of the conference seating. It's a home game for the Clippers. They've already lost one to the Nuggets this year, so as we said, we'll get into all of that and preview that matchup to get you set for tonight's ballgame, but 2-1 uh, and one, since coming back from the All-Star break. That one loss was probably as bad a loss as the Clippers have had all year long, a one twelve one oh three loss at home versus the Sacramento Kings for the second time this season. Granted, you have Whatever ready-made excuses you can throw in there, the long layoff from the All-Star break, not being fully healthy with Paul George and Patrick Beverly not playing in that ballgame, not insignificant things for the Clippers, but with all of that said, a disgraceful loss (laughs) to open up play out of the All-Star break. Even with the injuries, we know the Kings do have firepower, but they're still an under 500 ball club for a reason. They had already beaten you on your home floor once pretty badly and embarrassingly, and to not really have the the edge and the focus coming off that break. The Kings had the same All-Star break that the Clippers did, so it was honestly no other way to describe it than a disgraceful performance, uh, but luckily we've seen the Clippers respond well since then and and get fully healthy since then, and you know, every time you say that, you want to knock on wood because they've only had a healthy lineup, a fully healthy lineup, six times this season, and Lo and behold, 6-0 when they have everyone fully healthy and ready to go. So we know that at full strength this team can be amazing, but still, even when they are missing, granted, two very important players and maybe two of the top three, top four in importance for the team, and Paul George and Patrick Beverly still have to be able to come up with wins even when they're out of the lineup. So that one was obviously a disappointing start out of the All-Star break, but maybe just another nudge or push, kickstart, whatever they need, no matter how many times you need that reminder to to get things in gear and and get going right now. and We kind of heard echoes of that, Kawhi Leonard saying, the time is now for the Clippers to start gelling and finding their rhythm and and really playing the basketball that that we know that this team is capable of. And we've seen a much better indication of that in the past two ballgames since the ugly performance against the Sacramento Kings. The Clippers responded to absolutely crush and dominate the Memphis Grizzlies, another team that had previously come in and embarrass them in the Staples Center. This time they came out ready with a 40-14 first quarter blowout and really carried it through the entire game. It was a great complete performance and then even more impressively even though it was a much closer game on the road against Phoenix a team again the Clippers had lost early in the year on the road at Phoenix. This time despite a little bit of a slow start not having their best shooting night able to play great defense they held the Suns to just 92 points and were able to come away with a 102-92 to victory Uh, I thought that was honestly a more impressive win than the Memphis win, just for the fact that Memphis was a little bit banged up in their matchup with the Clippers. Jaron Jackson Jr. didn't play. Brandon Clark went down very early. So it was really John Morant and not much else. We know Jake Crowder, of course, went out in that trade, the Andre Iguodala trade. So another key piece who was part of that first Memphis win over the Clippers. Uh, They were able to overcome that very easily in this ballgame. And then Phoenix playing pretty well, despite having a little bit worse record than Memphis does on the road, a tougher test for the Clippers, and they were able, as we said, to respond well. So I thought the bounce back from the really, really, really bad loss against the Kings was nice and was absolutely necessary for this team. And we talked about it last week as well, that the, the time really is now. And We mentioned Kawhi Leonard just said it a moment ago, but for this team to go on an extended run of not only a win streak, but just good, solid play from game to game to game, we've seen spurts of excellence at time for the Clippers and then mixed in or dusted in with little appearances of lackluster play or poor defense whatever it may be we're just looking for that consistency from this Clippers team and obviously a big part of that is health so we've seen Paul George back now we've seen Patrick Beverley back now and we've seen this team play really well so health is not an insignificant issue for this team you need your best players on the floor not only to perform but to build that chemistry, especially going down the backstretch of the season, looking forward to the playoffs. This is the time for the Clippers to stay healthy and get that continuity, and not only for themselves playing well, but for the playoff seating that we've alluded to as well. A lot of big games coming up against teams where they're right there, neck and neck in the standings, and full health and a full squad available is is really important for this team. So I don't know about anyone else out there, but Really kind of holding my breath watching just to make sure at each half that there's not another report of, oh, Paul George is not going to return this time or Patrick Beverly is not going to return this time. Hope that this is the final time this year that we hear anything about a hamstring for Paul George or a groin for Pat Beverly. So far, so good. Again, knock on wood on that. But so far, so good for the Clippers and, and George and Beverly and returning and getting themselves into form. And the numbers on Beverly over the past two seasons are just... Absolutely remarkable. The Clippers are seventy-nine and forty when he plays, and they're seven and thirteen when he doesn't, and that includes the recent one and four stretch when he was out just before these two wins in a row for the Clippers. So Patrick Beverly's importance can't be underscored enough. Uh, and I saw on Twitter our good friend Justin Wilson, who's been on the show twice out of LA Clippers film, the Twitter account, talking about it's more than just the heart and soul narrative for Patrick Beverly. He is that, and he does that for this team. But it's his actual production on the court as well. He's shooting over 45% from three over the past two months. He's been, of course, a great defender. And I think the most underrated thing about Beverly, or the most overlooked, I don't know if it's underrated amongst Clipper fans, but his rebounding. It's astounding, and it really is. It it makes such a difference for this team in particular on the court, especially when we see late in ball games that go to a little bit smaller lineup with the much-disputed and talked-about Montrez getting all the fourth quarter minutes, but with Trez at the five, having Beverly there on the court to help equalize the rebounding battle is so important. It's a 6'1", 180-pound guard who averages six rebounds a game, and if you think back to some of the other big games throughout the year against better opponents, Christmas Day against the Lakers, there's a possession where he gets three consecutive rebounds in a row. He's done that in other big games, comes up with big rebounds in crowds, or Houston in a win there, so he's done it so many times, and it really changes the game for the Clippers. They can stay smaller and have someone who just is relentless in his pursuit of the basketball in terms of rebounding, along with all the other positives that he brings to the game in terms of his three-point shooting, his penetration, which is not necessarily his strong suit, but he is capable of pump faking and creating in the lane for others. Uh, Defense, of course, taking charges, getting steals, just being a pest defensively. Everything that he brings goes way beyond just the symbolic heart and soul. It's a lot of production on the court from Pat Beverly as well. So that's why the Clippers are so much worse off when he's not in the lineup and plays so well when he is. And then, of course, Paul George, who, granted, has not been shooting the ball well, but just his presence back on the court has made such a difference for this Clippers team as well. And it seems a little bit overblown just because the recent stretch for Paul George shooting-wise has been rough. But you look at his numbers compared to a lot of his other career numbers, and they're right on par. It's just the volume is down for Paul George this year in terms of minutes played, down from 36 to 29, shot attempts from 21 to 16, so inevitably the numbers overall are going to come down. But George still averaging 21 points, nearly 6 rebounds, nearly 4 assists, and the shooting percentages on the year are roughly the same, so... It feels like it's been a lot more just because of the injuries that have kept George out on and off so often over the past month and a half. And then this recent stretch where he hasn't really been able to buy a basket, hasn't been able to make an outside shot, it kind of feels amplified from what it really is. Paul George has still had a really good season, and I know there's been a lot in the media of the trade wasn't worth it because George is underperforming, but you do this trade, I think we've talked about this a number of times, but you do the trade 100 times out of 100, Despite how good we all knew and know Shea Gildas Alexander is and is going to be, all the draft picks you gave up, you don't get Kawhi Leonard without making that trade for Paul George. And when Paul George is healthy and fully ready to go, he's still one of the best players in the league. So uh, anything in sports media is going to be reactionary and overreactionary a lot. So I think a lot of that's overblown. But Paul George, as we said, his numbers overall are still good. And for me, The shooting numbers or shooting struggles are not necessarily a huge issue. Obviously, you want him to get it going and find his touch, but what I think is the biggest thing for Paul George right now is just finding that level of explosion, and that obviously comes from getting the hamstring stronger, getting back to full strength. I think he's been working his way back. He's on a minute's limit, but that's been really, out of the eye test, the biggest thing that I can see that's been the biggest difference between all-star dominant Paul George and right now kind of a slightly tentative Paul George, who's not quite at that same level over the past four games, and as mentioned, it feels like it's been longer than it has because the injuries have added to that, but in the four games prior to this four-game slump, or whatever you want to call it, against San Antonio, Miami, Minnesota, and Cleveland, Paul George played great, had great shooting numbers, was his normal self, and really looked like Paul George on both ends of the floor. It's just been the past four games, which have intersected with a lot of missed games due to injury so it feels like a long time where we haven't seen Paul George be Paul George but the last four games for for PG-13 three of 15 against the Sixers 11 points did have 12 rebounds and five assists so that's also a good indication for me as I said you want him to start making shots but the fact that one he's taking a lot of shots so he's not being shy he's still confident looking for his own offense but two affecting the game in other areas 12 rebounds of course is a big time number for him five assists means he's still active in getting his teammates involved so that's a game where you kind of take that obviously the shooting numbers are not what you'd like but the fact that he's still aggressive and looking for his own and helping others is big time Uh, of course the Boston game he left at halftime was just two of seven four points there the win over Memphis three for 11 from the field seven points did have four boards and four assists and obviously that one Turned into a blowout with no real second half minutes available. So that's one that you'll take as well. And then 4 of 13 against the Suns. 11 points, 4 assists, and 3 steals. So still affecting the game and other areas. But but as I mentioned, I think the biggest thing for PG is finding the explosiveness. The, The thing that has been the biggest difference that I've seen is right now Paul George's inability to blow past his defender and get to the basket. Right now you see him trying to create space on the perimeter, but doesn't quite have that usual quickness in the first step, creating off the dribble. So I think you see him settling for a lot of jump shots right now and just not quite able to beat his defender one-on-one as he so often does when he's at full strength. So I think as we'll see him get off this minutes restriction and hopefully get strength back in that hamstring and become 100%, we will see Paul Jard start to get that explosion back The ability to get to the rim and then that'll open up the rest of his game and I think shots will start falling from there so hopefully that happens tonight against Denver but I think there's no reason to be super impatient with Paul George especially with how deep and how versatile this team is overall right now they can afford to have him kind of find his way offensively because they have so many other options that are playing well Uh, so for Paul George I think the the slow and steady approach is good but you do want him to get going and be his normal self as we get closer to April and playoff time and and really have a chance to to be what we expected this duo of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to be where they both are just dominant wings in so many areas. So I think that is still very much the case just a matter of time for Paul George to get healthy and get back to his full normal self. So we'll see if that can happen in the upcoming games for the Clippers, but as we just alluded to, the Clippers do have a ton of depth, of course with the additions of Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson continuing to integrate them into the lineup and I think we saw for the first real time against Phoenix just how special those guys can be for this group in particular and we know that they're not the number one option as they were in New York and Detroit respectively but they can bring so much to this team and and clearly the clippers gave up a good player in Mo Harkless and you feel bad that Mo is in a tough situation now and Harkless did have a nice game the other night where he hit five three-pointers but that's obviously not the norm with him. With Marcus Morris, you expect his offense production, and he can do it in a variety of ways. And we saw it in the Suns game. Four three-pointers, 18 points, throwing five rebounds and three assists as well, and four three-pointers. He can stretch the floor. We saw him pump fake, create off the dribble, throw a nice lob to Zubats. And he's just simply someone who's never going to be afraid to take a shot. Now, that can at some times, I guess, be problematic if you feel like Morris is going to, look to take the shot instead of Kawhi Leonard or Paul George but at the same time you don't want anyone to be unafraid and Morris will never be afraid of the moment. He's been one of the best three-point shooters in the entire NBA this season and his strength on both ends of the floor is something that really brings so much versatility to this team and honestly just a little bit of a better fit for what the starting lineup will be or the expected starting lineup will be when you look at playoff time and, and what it has been over the past couple of games where you have Beverly at the 1, Paul George and Kawhi at the 2 and 3, and then Morris, really the perfect stretch 4 to go along with Zubats, where you have someone, as we mentioned, who's a knockdown 3-point shooter, can also excel in the mid-range, can work off off the ball, can work on the ball. Really, any way this team would like him to operate, uh, Marcus Morris can do that. So I think that's why so many people, including myself, were so high on this trade, Now, you can say whatever you will about ball stopping, but I haven't really seen that a ton from Morris since he's come to the Clippers. There will be the inevitable kind of late clock, mid-range shot from Morris every now and again, but also come playoff time, those are shots that are going to be there, and when we see the game bogged down, you're going to need guys who can make tough shots, and that's something that Morris really excels at. We saw it in the Suns game as well. Of course, he and any good NBA player can knock down open shots, but... Something that makes a lot of star players special is the ability to hit tough shots. Now, Morris is not a star player, but he is a very good one, and he has that special unique skill set of making a tough shot and making it in crunch time. And the Clippers have multiple players that can do that, and I think that's what has so many people still projecting them as a potential Western Conference champ, NBA finalist, or championship contender. Of course, Kawhi Leonard can hit the big shot in traffic, Paul George can, Lou Williams can, now you have another guy in Marcus Morris who can do that with great confidence and regularity. So I think that's why it was such a good move in the trade market and and it brings just a new element to this team where Harkless, very good defender, could occasionally knock down the open three and was a nice cutter and finisher at the rim, but... Morris just gives you more versatility in scoring at all three levels, where he can take it off the dribble, he can hit the jump shot, he can get to the free throw line, he can really do all all of it for you, and he plugs in for the Clippers doing that, really as a fourth option for this team, fourth or fifth option depending on who's on the floor. Uh, there's just so much firepower on this team, and to have another weapon, a guy who was averaging nearly 20 points per ball game when he came in from New York, is huge, and I think that. Doesn't even include all of the intangible things when you talk about toughness, defensive versatility, and switching that he can bring. So Morris, I think that was the first real glimpse of what he can bring in that game against Phoenix, and hopefully he continues to integrate smoothly with this team. Just a couple of games under his belt with the full healthy roster, and I think it needs to be mentioned again, 6-0 and when fully, fully healthy with everyone available. So when this team is at full strength, we've seen them perform very well, and It does get, I think, overshadowed a little bit with some of the recent struggles before this two-game win streak, and obviously the ton of injuries that have taken place and occurred over this season, but when healthy, this Clippers team has not only performed well, but they've beaten really good teams when they've had their full complement or close to their full complement of players available, and you know, with a long season, it can be very easy to get too high or too low with a good win or a bad loss or whatever may happen, but... This Clippers team, of course, has the two wins against the Lakers. They've beaten the Raptors twice. They've beaten the Celtics and then went another double, went to another double overtime game with the Celtics. Uh, they have obviously won a game against Houston, against Utah. They have good wins on the season. It's just intermixed with a recent rough stretch. But I think, hopefully, we're seeing them come out on the other side of that. And another reason for optimism is Reggie Jackson, who also had a great performance against Phoenix, had 12 points off the bench, Shot the ball really well, hit a couple of three-pointers, and really stabilized the, the second unit. And we, ta- we know Doc Rivers talked about Lou Williams and maybe getting a little bit tired being essentially the only primary ball handler off the bench for the Clippers. Now you split that role with Lou Will and Reggie Jackson, and you get a little bit more balance, a little bit more comfort, and someone who can also spread the floor and knock down a shot. And we talked about it on the show, of course, Jerome Robinson, when he was on the team earlier this year and his inability to make a shot. Of course, Jerome just hit a game winner with a wizard, so uh, of course that happened. But Jerome Robinson's inability to knock down a shot with the Clippers. Uh, Rodney Magruder, the same thing where, granted, Magruder can bring you good defense, but anytime he would set up for a shot, there was zero confidence that he would come through when making a shot, and you exchange those Magruder minutes for someone like Reggie Jackson who Is not shy, is very confident, can create off the dribble and hit three point shots. It's just another big time element offensively. And if Jackson can just hold his own defensively, which we saw very nicely in the Phoenix game, he had a nice block shot, did a good job staying in front of his defenders. If he's locked in and engaged on defense, he's never going to be a great defender, but he can still do a nice job and his offense can outweigh any deficiencies on the defensive end. So I think Jackson as a plug-and-play guy off the bench, is really a good weapon for this Clippers team. So you add that, of course, to Morris. The, The front office continues to do an amazing job. So the tools are all there and set up for this team. The important things, of course, are getting healthy, staying healthy, and developing continuity and finally trying to put together a good stretch as we get closer and closer to playoff time. So I think a couple of good signs off the back of a really rough loss, and hopefully it continues over the next five, which we mentioned is... No cakewalk for the Clippers. You have the Nuggets at home, followed by the Sixers at home. Now there will be no Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons due to a couple of injuries, but we've seen those things turn the other way before, so still have to win that game at home against some talented players and Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford. Still a game you have to battle to win. And then you follow that up with a couple of tough road games against Oklahoma City, Houston, and then back home for the Lakers. So five really good teams that are coming in. Uh, two of those on the road, and all with pretty big implications when it comes to the standings. Now, it's likely going to be fluid over the, pa- over the next couple of weeks in terms of one day you might be in second, one, one day you might be in third, uh, but you want to keep yourself in that top two, three range. Just a game separates the Clippers from the Nuggets, which of course is the upcoming matchup, but even behind the Clippers in the standings, the Rockets are just one game back as they sit in the four spot. Uh, the Clippers just two and a half ahead of the Thunder who continue to play so well the Thunder now ahead of the Jazz in the standings who are three back and then the Mavs are three and a half back all the way at seven so only three and a half games right now separating the Clippers at three from the Mavericks at seven uh, and only four and a half games obviously between the two and the seven as well so uh, Clippers will want to see themselves finish at least in the top two right now it does seem like the Lakers are going to keep running away with the one seed. They've won seven in a row. They're six and a half ahead of the Clippers right now for the one seed. But the important thing for the Clippers, I think, is to finish with the two seed at least. You know, one or two I don't think really matters for the Clippers just for the very unique factor of if they do meet the Lakers in the conference finals, they're going to have to battle with a likely pro-Laker crowd or 50-50 crowd for home games anyway. So home court doesn't really matter as much in that series. But for everything else... The two-seed is very important when you look at a potential seven-game series with any of those teams that you're going to line up with, whether it's Houston, Denver, Utah, the Thunder, whoever it may be. You want to have the extra home game because it's going to be such a difference for teams that have good home crowds. And we know the Clippers have had great home crowds during the playoffs as well. You want that extra game at home if there is a game seven. uh, That's really important come playoff time. So I think that getting the two-seed is, is an important aspect for this Clippers team and one that is right there for the taking. And I think it starts with the game tonight against the Nuggets. And it'll be the second matchup of the year between Clippers and Denver. The first one took place on January 12th. It was kind of a clunker from the Clippers. They lost 114 to 104. It was a game kind of similar to the Kings game that we saw recently out of the All Star break. Now, the Nuggets obviously much better than the Kings are, but a game where the Clippers kind of slept walked or. Didn't play well at all through the first three quarters. Turned it on in the fourth, made a near comeback effort, and then ended up falling short by 10. 114-104 was the final in that one. But for the Clippers in that first meeting, it was just really a three-man show. Kawhi Leonard had 30 points, Lou Will had 26, and Trez had 25, and no one else really did much of anything. And you look at that in contrast with what the Nuggets did. They had seven players in double figures led by who else but the Joker, Nikola Jokic, 20 points and 15 boards and then Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Monty Morris, Torrey Craig and Jeremy Grant all scored in double figures so that was a game where they were able to move the ball much better than the Clippers get production from everyone and anyone in their lineup and I think some of that may be a product of role players playing better at home than they will on the road but the Clippers just simply did not play well in that ball game and You can throw in the fact Paul George did not play in that first meeting, so that's obviously a factor, but uh, it was a game the Clippers didn't play well at all, but still had a chance to win. So you kind of take the good with the bad, and with all of that, with the Nuggets really dominating in terms of their ball movement and their scoring up and down the lineup, Clippers, with really just a three-man show, nearly were able to take it away again. So they're going to need a much better effort in this upcoming game against the Nuggets, and it's also of extra importance for the fact that the Clippers and Nuggets only play three times this year. Normally you play conference opponents four times in a year, but only three matches between the Clippers and Denver, and the other one later next month is in Denver as well. So the only matchup of the year between the Clippers and the Nuggets in L.A. is coming tonight. So it's you never want to say huge game or must win or anything like that, especially when we're still sitting in February. But it is an important game for the Clippers, and I think when you look at the fight and the quest for that two-seed, Uh, A lot can be determined by tonight's outcome and if the Clippers can pull this one off I think they're in a much better position than if they drop it. They of course automatically drop the tiebreaker between them and the Nuggets and then would find themselves two games back and you throw another one on with the tiebreaker as well. So still a ton of time left in the season but I do think this is one of the more important regular season games that we'll see in a while for the Clippers and hopefully they come out with the right intensity and right energy in this ball game to to come out on top and it'll be really interesting to me to see what the minute distribution is in this ball game at the five spot and I know it's been a talking point for Clipper Nation over the past couple weeks couple months the minutes for Zubats but I do think we've seen slight adjustments from Doc Rivers in that category where in a couple recent games we've seen Zubats when there has been a matchup against other bigger centers he's starting to get fourth quarter minutes and at least split them up in the fourth quarter before bringing back Trez, if that is the decision for Doc Rivers to give Trez, if anything, a little bit of a blow, along with giving Zubots minutes that he also deserves. But this is one of those matchups with Jokic, a dominant center, a unique player, obviously a little bit slower, a little bit bigger, one where Zubots might match up better in terms of his size, his rebounding, his rim protection, at certain moments of the game. So, of course, Trez is going to play. He's going to play a lot, and he's going to play well because Trez is awesome. But Zubats is important in this matchup and against bigger teams. If Doc Rivers continues to go to Zubats more in the fourth, that'll be a really big point of contention in this ballgame. And, of course, the continued integration into the lineup for the new guys, Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson, and to see if Paul George can start to break out of his shooting slump. And I think, as I said earlier, more importantly, find that first step explosiveness, start getting into the lane and into the, toward the basket, get to the free throw line and see if he can get himself going that way. But I think it's going to be an awesome matchup. We know Kawhi Leonard's been balling. Uh, Lou Williams has been playing well as of late as well. Uh, it's going to be a great matchup. and I can't wait to see what the Clippers do in this upcoming five-game stretch. A lot of great basketball upcoming as we lead ourselves into the march toward the playoffs. Clipper Nation, right here for you on the Believe Podcast Network. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the believe in clippers podcast thanks so much for tuning in here on the believe podcast network Now you can find the show at believe.com and also wherever podcasts are available if you're finding us on apple please rate review and subscribe also available on stitcher google play tune in spotify and iheart and available on any social media platform at believe podcast is the handle also if you're tuning me in here on this friday afternoon I'll be jumping on extra sports in Colorado Springs to talk about the Clippers and Nuggets at 3.05 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're able to tune in on that on Colorado Radio, on TuneIn, wherever you can find that, be sure to check that out as well. So with all of that said, big matchups coming up for the Clippers. We have it all covered here for you on the Believe Podcast Network, L.A.'s number one sports podcast network and the only place for the show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our L.A. teams. Do you believe? Go Clips.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop.